Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here today with one of our coaches who is out in the field every day, Chris Helwig. And Chris has been on our team for, well, actually almost since the beginning of our coaching work. And um, I've known Chris for years. We've worked together in other um, facilities, and it's so great to have you here today, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here to talk about something that's very near and dear to both of our heart. Yes. Um, hearts, and it's inclusion and the meaning of inclusion and the real foundation for the practice that we try to um, implement every day out there in the field. And I think one thing, just having Chris as a guest today, another facet that um, you're sharing is that of a parent of a child with special needs. Correct. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Um, I have a daughter who is 15, almost 16, with Down syndrome. So I have uh, a different role of also learning to be an advocate for her as well throughout right. her school and um, personal life. So right. that adds a new and different component, uh, I think, to my coaching. Yes, I think it does. And I'm sure, I know in many situations, that added lens that you bring to the childcare setting has really benefited the childcare provider because I think sometimes we see things from our own side of the table and we forget what it looks like from that parent's perspective. And so um, that's going to be helpful as we talk through some of the things today that we're going to touch on. And we're going to just start with some of those pieces that really can help you as a childcare setting um, set up for success when you want to have an inclusive environment. And being inclusive isn't just saying that you um, have a bunch of books about kids with special needs that you're reading in your book corner. It's more about an attitude. It's more about those foundational pieces that just help kind of everything flow together to make it seem welcoming and allowing all kids to feel like they belong. I think it's more about um, having everybody see that kids are more alike than they are different. Right. And and that's that's truly what we're here to talk about today is what are some ways that you can help all the children in your care understand how they're connected. And one of those things is may not sound like the best way to start, but it's acknowledging differences. Pointing out that we all do things differently and that's okay. It makes the world more interesting. Yes. Yes. I know when my daughter was younger, I used to go into her kindergarten classroom or first grade classroom and we would read a book mm -hmm. um, and it talked about the differences and we were just very open and honest about those differences and the children would ask questions and we would answer those questions. Yeah. And it kind of took the mystery right. out of it. Right. So just, I think, acknowledging those differences and being open and honest about those mm -hmm. with the children yeah. is very helpful. Because kids are curious. Correct. They just yes. want information. And I think that a lot of times in the past when a child would ask a question about someone maybe in a wheelchair or someone who looked different than they did, parents would say, oh, don't ask that question. Or even providers would say, oh, that's not nice to ask. But then what we're saying is there's something secret, there's something mysterious, there's something possibly bad about right. that. Something and, not right. Yes. And so I think that your point, too, of just going in and, and being really open about the uniqueness of your daughter and also about those in your care out there, those who are listening, just really talking about the the fact that wouldn't the room be boring if we all were exactly the same? How would I keep track of who's who? And just 
highlighting some of those differences that are adding to the group. Um, I remember a student that I had years ago who wasn't very verbal. He didn't use a lot of language, but he was really great at whistling and pointing that out in a time when other kids maybe were looking at him like, why aren't you saying anything and saying, but have you ever heard this guy whistle? He's really good at it. Show him how you whistle. And realizing that not every child that age could whistle. So Mm -hmm. it was one of those moments where that group of kids realized, wow, he can do something that I can't do. Just like I might be able to do some things that are maybe a little trickier for him, but it doesn't mean he can't try. Right. Yeah. Great idea. I yeah. like that. It really adds a lot to that whole inclusive environment, really modeling that sense of belonging and being a part of things, which takes us to modeling appropriate behavior as another way to create that inclusive environment. So you are setting the stage as that adult in the room. Yes. Yes. And I think um, one thing we know about young children is they're always watching us. Yes. So they're going to model our behavior. So if we are modeling that it's okay that there's differences and we acknowledge those, we're showing them that appropriate behavior. I think they just fall right behind us Mm -hmm. and do just what we are doing. Right. Just have that level of acceptance. Right. And I think our confidence too in the way we the tone that we use in how we explain things as um, more of a matter of fact, this is how it is, this is, everything's okay in that tone as the adult in the room saying, you know what, yep, the crying's kind of loud right now because it's too loud in the room and that's hurting her ears. And she needs something to cover her ears. What could we find for her? Let's help her. Mm -hmm. And helping that other peer to see yeah, sometimes you cry when you're uncomfortable. You do the same when you're not feeling good. Crying is a way that she's telling us she needs right. help. Yes, that's what I was just thinking too, is that you know, explaining to the child or children that that's her way of telling us it's too loud mm-hmm. and she would like people to quiet down, please, or whatever. Right. You know, that, that's their form of communication and, and explaining it that way, that, again, being very open and honest about those differences. Mm-hmm. And making sure that children know that's okay. It's okay. And I think that that key, um, as you were just stating about the explanations, that's where we come in as that guide for the kids in the group. They're not going to come to these conclusions on their own. They need help being um, taken to those conclusions. So if we just assume, and and kids are pretty accepting when we're modeling that acceptance. So that's one piece as we talked about. But if we don't fill in the gaps for that information, that's when they start to make their own ideas or just in, they may have come across someone in their life out in the community that maybe made them feel uncomfortable and they weren't feeling good about it. And this child's kind of doing the same thing. Ugh, that makes me feel like I'm not sure if I'm safe. Or, so that's when you step in as that adult to say, oh, you know what? Yep, that's how she's communicating. That's what she's trying to tell us. Or um, maybe she wants to play with you and she's still practicing using her words. What do you think she could, what should she do if she wants your attention? Right. And so helping those classmates, those peers, those other children in childcare to understand how that child's communicating so that they can communicate back. Right. And I think, um, I like how you're saying validate feelings on both sides. Right. Yeah. 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 Because sometimes it is uncomfortable. Right. If we're unsure of something, we know that, and you've done this for a long time, Chris, so you you understand how it feels when you don't have a lot of experience 
doing the work of inclusion. And you see that in the sites that you go to often where a provider might say, well, I've never had a child that has a diagnosis of autism before. And I don't know what to do. I don't want to do something wrong. I don't want to miss out on doing something. And what we try to do in our work and what you're doing in the coaching work is to come alongside that person and say, there's not a magic key. Every child's unique. Let's figure out what this child needs. Let's watch this child get to know this child. And then we can come to kind of a plan. Right. And I always like to tell providers when they do seem timid or not knowing, remember this is a child first. Yes. It's a child first. And we treat them just like we would any other child. Yeah. We may need to make some accommodations along the way. For sure, we'll have to do that. Mm-hmm. But to always remember, they're they're just a child first. Yeah. And I think that years ago, um, when we, we both taught together, we were classroom teachers, and, and um, I remember there was this handout that someone shared about the fact that many children miss out on that opportunity to be, it was a nice little poem. But Um, missing out on the opportunity to be a child first. And they miss the chance to get dirty. They miss the chance to get down in the sand because they might be wearing AFOs or, um, you know, braces on their legs. How can we provide an opportunity for them to be the best kid possible, experiencing childhood the way they should be? And I think with that, we're going to close and come back to this discussion in our next podcast. Chris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.